Brown family, what's going on? It's Yvette Carnell coming to you as I do every Monday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Army Ose Frimpong. What up? And we are here to give you your black politics for the day. So as I say every, I say this every time, I say this every Monday and Wednesday, get your libations. <laughs> Whatever libations you need, if you need a glass of water because you just worked out, go get that. If you need a glass of wine because the, the people at work been working you hard, go get that too. Go get whatever you need to be okay right now because we have a very, very, oh my God, we have such an interesting, we have such a fascinating, is fascinating today, fascinating. You know what? People are going to learn things that they might not have they known. They might not have learned before. Yes. Because... People lie, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into how people lie. What's up, fam? What's up, Gianni? What's up, Aisha? What's up, Roger? Hey, let's go. So let me say something. Before I get started, as I always do, go get your libations. Please don't drink too many sugary sodas, though. Yes. Because they'll kill you. I put, if you subscribe to the news, I put something in there about sugary sodas and how they relate to every bad thing. So <laughs> if your libation has to be that for tonight, I understand. But I'm just saying, futurely, you know, let's 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 do the best we can. Get what get what you gotta get. If you gotta get a soda, if you gotta get a glass of wine, if you want a shot of whiskey, a shot of vodka, I understand. I'm here for you. We're gonna drink the libations. Don't spill the libations, get yourself situated. Now, if you don't already subscribe to the newsletter, I sent a newsletter out on Sunday. Every Sunday, and I apologize to the people this Sunday who didn't get to 8 p.m. I thought I sent it at 1 p.m. and somehow I didn't. I don't know what happened. So I apologize for getting it so late. But, and I want to also say some of you don't open a newsletter. I sent out about six, seven hundred and like only like 400 people opened it. So you're paying for the newsletter, $2 a month, open the newsletter. It's got great links in there in terms of links about black people, descendants of slaves that you should read. Now, you can go to breakingbrown.com if you have not and subscribe to the newsletter and pay $2 a month for the newsletter. You can also donate at breakingbrown.com monthly. Now, if you donate monthly and you want to get the newsletter, email me at editor at breakingbrown.com and I will still send you the newsletter, okay? Also, you can go to donatebrown.com for a one-time donation. Also, and this is free, please go to subscribe to brown.com if I'm not here that's what I'll use to alert you. I'm not going to be here on XYZ day. Do do what you, you know, do go to Irami's page. You'll have your black politics or whatever. That's and why I keep Wednesday you updated. And on Wednesday, that's happening. On Wednesday, my mama's, my mother's having um, minor, it's not, you know, it's not major surgery, but I'm going to be there to help her get situated. Um, so I won't be here on Wednesday, but Irami will be giving you your black politics at the Funky Academic YouTube page. So Wednesday, remember, don't come here, go to the Funky Academic YouTube page, and I will probably be in the comments acting up <laughs> like I was last time. So if you want to see me, I won't be here, but I will be in the comments of the Funky Academics YouTube page, um, giving you my assessment of what Irami is saying on that day. Also, if you are watching, please subscribe. If you have not subscribed already, share this on your Facebook pages. Share this in your groups. You know, I know some of you are big about going to groups. Share that and hit that bell. If you have not hit that bell, that bell is very important. That bell lets you know when I'm on live. So you don't have to sit around and wait and refresh the page if I'm late. Like I was late today, honestly. I tried to work out before I came on here and I was late. Go hit the bell, okay? So you'll know. You don't have to keep refreshing the page. 
So, now that we've said all that, I have to get you to why we're here. Something interesting happened. And let me tell you something. People lie. Black people lie. White people lie. But something very interesting happened. Recently, on somebody else's Facebook page, I went to somebody tagged me on a page called the... The D.D. Delgado Facebook page. The D.D. Delgado Facebook page. So thank you for that, for the D.D. Delgado Facebook page because you did something very good and very interesting. Okay? You asked white people to give an example of generational wealth that they had, you know, experienced in their life that black people wouldn't have access to. And this gives... White people a chance to tell the truth. And white people aren't the only body, only people lying. Everybody's lying. I was on a Facebook page the other day. <laughs> it was very interesting. I, I got some on my It was very interesting. I was on a Facebook <laughs> page. No, no, lying. a YouTube page. I was on a YouTube page the other day. And <laughs> there was a black man who said, Oh, I started investing and I retired at 30. <laughs> You're a liar. You're a liar. You did not retire as a black person who learned how to invest from nothing at 30. Why are you lying on Facebook? Do you have a problem? On YouTube, do you have some type of problem? But the thing is, black people lie. White people do their share of lying as well. And uh, so let's get to the de- let's let's let I want to I want what I want to do is offer you screenshots of what these people said on that page on that very very valuable Facebook page and that very very valuable discussion, and I want to compare that. To the real lives of African Americans. And later on I'm going to have a little bit to say about Issa Rae. Um, and I think it ties into what I'm talking about right here. But right now let's just have this conversation. And let's just bring up. I'm going to bring up all of these. Bring up all of these. I'm going to bring up a few of these. There were hundreds of them. At least a hundred of white people talking about what they had access to. The black people don't yeah. have access to. And this is what they know. And this is what they know. And let's be honest. A lot of white families don't talk about money. As as honestly as they should. No. So like you'll say like oh you get these white guys say like oh I'm poor just like you are I don't my family's broke just like you are and then thirty years later when 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 the people are fifty or forty or they need to buy a house all of a sudden woo look at that fifty thousand dollars who knew I did, I thought my parents it's were poor there. like we've shown you the data that says your parents aren't as poor as, as and they're <laughs> still like I had somebody said it to me today well I said I said I said poor black people are negative. Poor white people are worth ten thousand. Where'd you get that data from? Oh. And I sent them the the, 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 the Nation article about the two the two hundred twenty eight years, yeah. and they were just like, I I I didn't I didn't know I didn't think about it that way. Now that I think about it, my mom did own a house. Now that I think about it, and now that I think about it, I was kind of stable. Now that I think it's a lot of stuff you don't think about, white people. <laughs> that we need to have an honest conversation, conversation about. about. So today we're going to have. An honest conversation. These people got honest. I appreciate my honest white people. I appreciate y'all Thank because you. y'all got honest and and to, and that helps us contrast ourselves to you. So we don't go around thinking that we're white. When you get honest, you gotta be honest, and that's how you be a good white ally. Be honest. You gotta get honest. So put up that first one for me, Iron, and make it big so people can read. Oh, okay. Yeah. Draw it up so people can read. I want you all to read this and pay close attention. Pay close attention to what this person said. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't try to, you know, 
you know, somebody said we are no grows. Don't 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 depress the people <laughs> because the people are already said Yvette depresses me. Don't depress the people. Don't depress the people. I don't want to give anybody any kind of you know this person. But this person says I was able to purchase my own home due to a substantive down payment provided by my parents. My parents purchased their first home in the same fashion, a down payment provided by my grandparents. Both of our grandparents own their own homes. So think about that. Think the money's about, not done getting to them then. The money's not. No, no, that's, that's just the beginning. That's <laughs> yeah. how we help you start your life, by giving you the down payment to your home. Here's a $20,000 or whatever, $30,000 or whatever kind of house you're going to buy. Go and do your thing. Now, I want you black people to imagine how much easier your life would have been if you had somebody to give you twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars when you started out and just said, go buy your house. It go might do be what more you got to do. 20, 30, or 40. It might be 50, might be 60, depending on what kind of house they're buying. Yeah, 20% down. 20% down. Yeah. What's 20%? $300,000, $400,000 house. Yeah. This is what's going on in white yeah, life. That's $80,000 here. $80,000. I'm just investing in my kid. I'm investing in my child because you know as a parent that's what you're supposed to do and you have the resource to do it. Why? Because you don't come from slaves. You don't come from slaves and sharecroppers and people who've been discriminated against. So you have the resources to make that happen for your kids. You come from the Homestead Act. Come to home. What was the Homestead Act, Ivory? Well, they were giving white people land. Here, have some land. Yeah, have some land. <laughs> have some land. land. I know it's land. I know it's And as long America. as you work it, you can have it. You, you can, can keep just have it. it. Just work it. Just have it. When and like, last time somebody tell people you can work it. <laughs> what we're going to get to in a minute in the show, I'm going to tell you one of the dastardly ways that they stole land from African-Americans. Because we always think about the ways we know. But there's a, there are a lot of insidious ways that stuff was stolen from us. And what happens with us most of the time is that we, we get stuff. People are like, we can own land too. No, when we get it, they take it. They find some kind of loophole to take it away from us. And that's important. So that's just, that's just, number, that's just number one. Now go to clip number two, Army. We're going to call clip number two. And I'm just going to go down the list <laughs> to show all of us, to show everybody who's watching this show how, how you think white people live and how they live. Now, I'm not saying that they're not poor white people, but stop comparing ourselves to the poorest of white people. Yes. There are more people in the group of white people than the poorest of white people. Yes. We said we just compare ourselves to the people who live in the trailer homes or, you know, don't, and even them. There's a sneaky little thing in this thing right here. The even black them sheeps. are what you think they are. Yeah, we're comparing ourselves to the black sheeps. The yeah, ones who the, got kicked out. Sheep, and some of the black sheep still have more than you think they got. And we're going to bring that out in a minute. All right. We're going to bring that out in a minute. There you go. Number okay. two. Was that one? Yeah, I went to Juilliard where they... Oh, I don't see it up yet. It's still up there. I was a substantive... I was a... Um... I went to oh, Juilliard. Oh, okay. I went to Juilliard when there were only a few people of color. I hate that term, people of color. Call me African-American, sitting in the slave. I don't want to be lumped in with every other group that's not white. I'm sorry. Um... I got a job right out of school. I teach privately. I wouldn't get students if I weren't the color of a fish belly. Yeah. My family has wealth because of the GI Bill, which allowed them to go to college, buy a house, get a mortgage, and not be redlined. People are not afraid of me. They give me the benefit of the doubt and assume good intentions. They give me the benefit of the doubt and assume good intentions. If you are a black woman, you are, they assume you're a welfare queen. If you are a black man, they assume you are inmate number 34524. Four. <laughs> I'm going to tell some people about myself that they don't know yet. Tell them. Uh, people, it might be a big shock, and I know I've had a thousand jobs. <laughs> people talk about it in the comments. <laughs> yeah, better, more than I've 
better than I am at studying books or doing the other things I've done. I'm actually a really good classical musician. Like I'm a, oh, like I'm a professional shit. level classical musician. Like I'm I'm that good. Like for that's what I did while I was doing those other jobs is so I could practice. Mm-hmm. I'm a very good oboe player. Oh, all the, yeah, yeah. I know. I've never I, even seen an oboe. I know. I know. Not a, <laughs> I don't tell people because no one like nobody's gonna believe me. I'm like, like, <laughs> like, I'm, like I'm a legit oboe player. One thing I couldn't do right now. As like as I'm probably one of the better oboe like like in the world like I can't I'm not gonna be able to find students because nobody's gonna look at me and think I'm gonna pay hundred and twenty dollars for a lesson with this guy. I ain't no, no, ain't no <laughs> black man know how to play no oboe. What are you talking right. about? Right. So um, yeah yeah like there's no way that uh, I can get students. like I'm not gonna be able to like. But what be was a the private- what was the impediment, Iron, until you becoming a Nationally known oboe player. I'm a, I'm a really good oboe player. So I moved from L.A. to Orange County when I was in eighth grade. And um, it was in the beginning of the school year. So the only elective left was band. And since I had moved, I didn't have any friends. <laughs> so I uh, the only instrument left was the oboe. And since I didn't have any friends, I practiced. And then since I got good, I just kept practicing. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but 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 could but you? A, could, but did you have the time to practice your oboe? I did have the time to practice my oboe. I didn't like I said. I didn't have any friends. But at a certain time, you had to get a job, didn't you? Well, yeah. As yeah, I I got a job and practice at night. It was like but that's why I've had so many jobs. That's not what oboe players do. They don't practice at night. They that's practice not all how time. you win. Yo. Right. So <laughs> like that's not how you win. That's why like. Anyway, I'm better than anyone would ever imagine. But like I could, I, I'm not going to be able to get students. Because I can't just like walk into like a place and have some like nice it. Jewish guy or, or like an Asian monk. Like Somebody mother. said the real irony of Orange County. <laughs> the real irony of Orange County. Yeah, I get, I have pictures of me like in, a, in like a, the black guy in the middle of a white and Asian orchestra. I don't even know what an oval. I'm gonna look up an oval. <laughs> Somebody send me a. Can you put pictures? I want to see what an oval looks look, like. Look, you put irony i r a m i and oboe in Google. And, and you come up playing the oboe? You might see me a picture or two of me playing the oboe. You'll see reviews of like performances. When I was uh, an up and comer. Um, yeah, I R A M I, oboe. See what comes up. Okay. That's what I said, I'm oboe. Okay, let me just say this about the. But like, I'm not going to be able to get private students. Cause now like, about leaving their kids alone with no felon. Yeah. <laughs> it don't even matter if you ain't a felon. You black. You look like one. Look nobody, like you one. just shank somebody in prison. Like don't nobody want to be bothered. <laughs> but let me, let me get back to this Juilliard person. This white person from Juilliard, right? The one thing that the one thing that that stands out to me when I look at that, when you look at this, you say, "I went to Juilliard. My family, my family has wealth from the GI Bill. Let's talk about the GI Bill, shall we?" The one thing you need to understand about the GI Bill is how blacks were left out of it. That's one thing you need to understand about the GI Bill. Quit that clip number three, Iron when you get a chance. Black people, African Americans in this country, were cut out of the GI Bill. Why we cut out the GI Bill? It's very simple. The, the federal government did not directly administer the GI Bill. Right? When you were trying to get a home loan through that, the banks had to approve you, and then the, then the federal government and the VA guaranteed that loan. So when you went in there as a black person, most of the time, you did not get approved for a GI Bill. So there was no way for the government 
to guarantee something that was not approved by banks. So what happened is that we were locked out of a lot of the good stuff that came in the GI Bill. And so what does that mean? That means that, that white people who were veterans were able to glide their way to the top. And those of us, African-Americans back then, African-American veterans who wanted to come home and build a family were locked out. That is the story of our life in America. Locked out is the story of African-American life in this country. And that's exactly what happened. Now, let me tell you something. I want to read something. Those of you who know, I've, I've mentioned this book a thousand times. And, you know, you know, I've mentioned this book, When Affirmative Action Was Why. I've mentioned this book. Please, if you haven't already, get, please get the book. I want to read one passage from the book. And it says, the case of, the case of Reuben Thompson of Rome, Georgia, who had entered the army as a dishwasher, but it trained as a truck driver illustrates how the process worked. I have been out of the army for five months. This is what, this is what, this is what Reuben Thompson wrote. About a month ago, I went to the U.S. Employment Service office to apply for a job of truck driving, but I couldn't get one. Then they wanted to give me a job washing dishes. But I didn't because cafe jobs don't, here don't pay enough and I have a mother to support. They wanted to send me to the foundry. I have not done anything like that and I am not able to. I put in for unemployment pay, but I failed to get that. I am not asking them to give me anything if I could get a job I am capable of doing. Most of, most of the white boys get the unemployment with ease, but very few colored get it. Okay. One more thing. It says blacks were blacks also were regularly denied access to the loans that the GI bill promised. The federal government did not make the loans of this or any other kind directly. Rather the veterans administration guaranteed them and consequence prospective borrowers had to convince banks to lend. Okay. Now listen to this little data point. You know, I love data. It says a survey of 13 Mississippi cities by Ebony magazine found that of the 3,229 VA guaranteed, guaranteed home business and farm loans made in 1974, precisely two had gone to blacks. Two, not 2%, two. Number two. That's black life. And you're going to tell me what? That you don't deserve anything? That we shouldn't get anything? That that's a handout? The government never going to give us nothing? Government never going to do You better get it. We got to get it. If we don't get it, we're finished. We got to get it. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We got to get it. So let me go on. You know, the thing about it, some of those, what, what that portion doesn't mention is that some of these people were actually, um, how can I say it? They were saying, they were, they were denied because where you live isn't a good enough area for you to live. Right. We don't we don't we're not going to give a loan that area. So black people couldn't get loans because they were in black neighborhoods, but they couldn't live in white neighborhoods. Tell me that's not a setup. Tell me that's not a setup for failure. The only thing America has put in our place throughout the history of this country is setups for failure. And at a certain point, we got to stop dreaming and we have to understand what America is as opposed to what America should be. Okay. 
At a certain point, we have to do that. That is our responsibility. I will say it again. And I've said it before. Filing LLC paperwork will not save you. Starting your own business will not save you. A black business without black politics is doomed to fail. Unless you are, unless you get picked by white people. And they decide, you know what? You're willing to throw your own people under the bus and we're going to have you on. It's doomed to fail. Even Byron Allen, the one black almost billionaire we got, he was like, I was struggling. I was failing. And then... He said, he said, he said, he said in a video he did, you can see the interview on, at Tone Talk with Antonio Moore. He said, he said, basically, that was going a, anywhere. He, he said, wasn't I going wasn't anywhere. going anywhere. He <laughs> said, he talked to, he talked about white networks, which bring me this number three. Bring, um, which brings me to clip number four. Put a clip on four, I mean, this, which brings me, brings me to clip number four. We got to talk about something else. Why people getting honest is amazing. Oh, we got to finish that story, though. He said, what did he say? He said, no, I wasn't going anywhere. I, I had yeah. I took out money on my house. I wasn't going anywhere. I was losing everything. Nobody would return my calls. And then all of a sudden. Walmart. Yeah. All, of, all of a sudden, basically, he met somebody on the board of a major conglomerate. Who said, okay. This someone was not black. No, white person. <laughs> yes. You know they weren't black. On the, on the board of a major corporate, you know them. And said, I'm going to hook you up. You're going to get some ads. And it was like Walmart or something. That's what, you know, it that's He took what him to was. one party. Yeah. And was like, hook this brother up. Hook this brother up. Hook this brother up. Yeah. And now Byron Allen's Byron Allen. But that's everybody you see who black. You think these black people, you think these black people did this themselves? They got chose. But we need to be in a position as people and as, 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 as employees where the government holds the door open and says, you have to hire these people. <laughs> They're American citizens and you cannot deny them. You are not allowed to discriminate against them. I don't even care. Listen, people are going to be mad at me, but I don't even care if they subpar. Your job is to teach them yeah. because you come from, we come from slaves. We didn't get those schools that you got. We didn't get everything you got. You need your job. Jim Crow. Is, your job is employment. Jim Crow, redline, everything. Your job is not only employment. Your job is apprenticeship. That's your job. <laughs> we should get two generations. The government should tell you that's your job. So if you look at if you look at if you look at clip number four, is clip number four is very interesting. I got passed down car. Yeah. Okay. But put it. Put, I think that's clip number four. Yeah, it's up. It's very interesting because there's something that's there's something at the end of that that is also very 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 interesting. Okay, make it a. It says he got passed on a car. He says I got passed on a car. My parents paid my college tuition, bought me a computer. My parents owned the house they lived in and had two safe, reliable cars. I have a financial living safety net. If something goes wrong in my life, my grandfather's attended college, maternal side were homeowners, lived abroad for work. I have benefited from the connections that he, that I get. Now, here's the thing. Benefiting from the connections you get is social capital. Benefiting from the connections you get is called social capital. Social capital is so important. People dismiss the importance of social capital. Not only do white people get money, they also get social capital. What does that mean, Yvette? Well, put up clip number five, Ireman. Social capital. Don't ever forget that. Social capital is so important. Now, if you go to Bureau of Labor Statistics, 
There was this article that I found earlier today when I was researching when I was researching social capital. And the article is very important for a number of reasons. But they go into, the article kind of goes into what it means to have social capital. And who has social capital? And, the you know, even, even in the, the, the prior podcast with Malcolm Gladwell, he says, he talks about integration as a way to get African-American social capital because we don't have many. We don't have any. That's the web in America that ensures that you have a job, that you have work, that you have something that you can call on and pull on in times of hard need. If you don't have money, even if you don't have money, if you have social capital, you all right. And let me tell you, the, 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 article, the article right here, put up a little bit, I can't see it. Okay, it says, it says 80% of jobs are found through social capital. Social capital is nothing more than who you know. 80% of jobs. 80% of jobs through social capital. Not Indeed.com, not, what is it, Monster Career Builder. No, <laughs> it's found through people that you know. And these people that you know have leverage in their company. But they all say EEOC at the bottom. What do you mean? Don't mean none. <laughs> don't mean, don't mean nothing. I, don't I mean, if you got somebody hanging nooses in your office and doing, <laughs> but it doesn't mean anything in terms of social capital. You have somebody who works in some kind of office who has some kind of thing that can make 80%. your life better, can get you into this company, and can transition you. And let me tell you something. Here's the thing: social capital isn't just important. In terms of people think that social capital is just important in terms of how, you know, getting a job. It's also important in terms of how you move up in a job. Whether or not when you leave that job, can you can you lateral or go up into another position? All of that is connected to social capital, who you know, how you know them, the position that that person holds and the power that they hold. And as descendants of slaves, we don't hold much power. So this is what social capital looks like. And we don't have any. And the problem is... Well, uh, there's, a, there's a few things going on here. A lot. There's a lot. All right, so uh, some black people get confused because they feel like, I know people who know people. How come they don't hook me? I know white people in positions of power. How come not, I'm not who? getting hooked up? Who know? I don't know no white people. Who know white people in position of power? I, 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 I got a lot of black friends who got burned because they thought their white friends would they treat thought them. You, oh, you thought they were going to stand up for you? Yeah. You thought your white friends were going to treat uh, were going to were going to hook you up the way they hook up, you know, their nephews and cousins, and it it, it didn't work like that. It don't, it don't never work like that. <laughs> don't, unless it's some kind of incentive from the government or a punishment from or the government. Or punishment for the government. A punishment. The government is the only entity big enough to bring down a hammer. If the government's not bringing down a hammer in terms of anti-discrimination, we're screwed. A and lot that's of why Gen Xers, black politics. A lot of Gen Xers, a lot of millennial people who grew up in post-racial America thought they were post-racial. They ain't. Yeah, they found out that no. They was like, "Oh, I have white friends." <laughs> no, it don't mean nothing. It don't mean that they're not gonna hook you up. They're gonna laugh and talk to you, and they love having one black friend. You're gonna be a black friend, but you're not gonna get nothing. Yeah. So I mean, that's what happens. Put up clip number six. The thing about it is, like, you need social capital, which means you need basically white people who have access. You know, who have organizational power within their companies, right? That's what you need. That's what you need. You need. You need white people who have. You know. You need that. But guess you mean, what? We don't know Trump. 
We don't know nobody. We don't know Trump. Three we don't know Ivanka. We don't know. No, break this down. Three quarters of whites have no non-white friends. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. If you watch this as a white person, you ought to be ashamed of your goddamn self. Now, heaven, you ought to just, as your own personal reparations, make sure you have black friends in your life that you help. This is the, and this is something that just bothers just me. Just go out and help a random Negro is what that says. Not just random. Like somebody at your job, and you know, you have, that means that you meet good black people, and you're just like, nah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, like, it. So how if you if three quarters of whites don't have any non-white friends, how are you going to have a a white friend or somebody that you know white that has social capital in a company? It's not going to happen because we don't have it because we come from slaves. Said, well, Yvette, why don't we start our own company? Oh, give me a break with that cracker jack box stuff. I can go and get see. I can beat Amazon if I just bought buy all of my stuff from Amazon. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Like, and then I could. I want everybody to business and compete with Walmart. Can y'all read my lips? Walmart can't beat Amazon. And you think you're going to beat Amazon? Anybody who tells you can, you can start a business and beat Amazon is an idiot. Amazon will deliver you a $3 shirt in two days with no shipping. If you're a prime, you can't, you can't do it. White people can't do it, but you think you can do it? Give me a break, people. These people don't got no white, no black friends. And we, you, they the ones with social capital. Listen, I don't know what I'm going to tell. I don't know what to tell I mean, and the thing is, even the black people that you see, a lot of black people that you see don't even have, don't even have, that they, they get promoted and the me don't even have any organizational power. Like I remember this Uber woman, this, she was a Ghanaian. That's why I brought her up one time. She was Ghanaian and she was, she was going to Uber and everybody was like, oh, this woman's getting such, she's going from Apple to Uber, this black woman. I can't remember her name. It was something strange. So. I said, so my thing is, she's a brand manager. That's not like, look up the organizational chart of corporations. It's not a big deal in terms of power that you hold at a company. But we lauded over this Ghanaian having this kind of power at Uber, which is an awful company, which just has tore apart decades and decades of labor. You know, the labor movement. Uber, Uber has been on the forefront of tearing apart the labor movement. So I call into question anybody who supports this woman and what she's doing. Look her up right now. Her name was like Bozum or something. I don't know. I looked the, looked the child up. Her name, look, she don't have no power though. She's not in the high, she's not in that hierarchy of like corporate power. What are you cheering her on for? She, and she ain't going to do nothing for you. No way. She's not going to do nothing for you. Uber. Awful company. In terms of how they roll back labor, happened after your first, happened during your first black president, though. All it's, of his people going to pluff. All of his, a lot of people going to be a part of Uber. Even his, even his, wasn't it? Wasn't his defense director going to be a part of Uber and do Uber military? Really? Yeah, yes. your first black president. Spit on his picture and burn it, please. Now, I get the sense that it's possible that Michelle wouldn't hook you up with a job. Michelle ain't hooking nobody with nothing. I don't know why black women get into this thing. They think Michelle is like cool people. She ain't. She married Barack. They both had. They both got what they needed out of that. They both got what they needed out of each other, and they don't give a damn about us. And they never did. Let it go. Now let me say this. Whew. Let's go to clip number seven. Uh, my That's mom's into genealogy. Traced us back lots of generations. That's yes. No, yeah, that's, that's the clip. Yeah, clip number seven. It says seven, seven, seven. 
Okay. Seven well, is enough. Okay, well, let me. <laughs> like seven I is that's enough. the one. Ooh. Yeah, seven. Yeah, I meant. It's, it's, that's what it is. I bet Oprah got white friends, though. Yeah, she was a white mammy for how many years? <laughs> she was a mammy to white people cry on my bosom. <laughs> Suck my teeth. She, that's who she was. What do you mean? Of course she does. I don't know what y'all talking well, about. You think Whoopi would hook us up? Whoopi, listen, Whoopi just told us that she, as long as she gets her check on the view, she finds Whoopi ain't concerned about nobody else. <laughs> as long as she gets her check and from Bobby Walters either, so and like... she can just stroll in there looking half crazy and half drunk, she don't care. She don't care. It's like, it's like, listen. I guess that's why she little, was chosen. Little, put it up a little bit bigger so I can read it on the thing. Like, let me just, I just want, I just want to, I just want to read this. This is just, you know, we, we got to, we got to understand this. And I love this post. All right. Gonna, I'm just going to put it. Put up. it all the way up. All right. There you go. It's full. There you go. Black people, we got to understand what's going on. We got to understand what's going on. I, I, I don't know how to make it any clearer to anybody. We got to understand what's happening. We got to understand what's happening in our lives. It says, you know, little, this person is talking about, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, we were asking, what did you, what did you benefit from white people that black people in terms of generational wealth that black people had not benefited from? Those of you who tune in late, that's what we're talking about. There was a great post. Um, that on the page I mentioned earlier about what did white people benefit from and white people came on the page and admitted what they benefited from that black people would not have benefited from in terms of generational wealth. And here's another one. Little risk of homelessness. Grandpa fled a concentration camp. Grandma was the child of a broke immigrant working in a sweatshop, but bootstrapping got them through college because they had access to white privilege. I have a big, nice chest of drawers in my bedroom that was my great grandmother's when she died. I got enough money to take a trip to her hometown of Italy. How many of y'all traveled abroad? Okay. My dad was an addict with a problem with authority figures. He'd have, he'd have been basically been in prison or dead if he was, if he was an indigenous or black and acted like that long before I was born. Listen, what, what this person is basically telling you is that the reason my parents were free and able to do anything was because they weren't black. And when you look at the incarceration rate of blacks, especially black men, you see that this person at least, whether you had an inebriated father or not, this person had a father because he wasn't black. <laughs> so he got the benefit of the doubt. He didn't have to go to prison. That's another benefit of whiteness in this country, the benefit of the doubt. You don't get the benefit of the doubt. I may get a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt because I'm light-skinned. And so people usually wrongly assume I have a white parent. And they don't want no trouble whoever that white parent is. I don't have one. Far be it from me to dismiss the face the, the Facebook and YouTube rumors. But I don't have a white parent. I have two black parents. <laughs> two black parents. But met them both. Yes, but that's genetics. The white genes be rolling strong sometimes. Okay? So they but this is what most African Americans experience. You don't get to just live your life as an addict who's all out and doing all kinds of stuff and be a black person. You go to jail being a black person doing that. And so you don't people don't think of that as a white privilege, but that is a privilege of whiteness. It's almost social capital. Right? So go to let's go to clip number eight, Iron. Let's keep it moving. I mean, it's just it's just amazing to me how we don't think about this when we think about the value of whiteness and, and, and what that means in terms and, and in terms of I, I salute these white people because they told us this. 
Yeah. Most of the time they don't. Most of the time they just be like, girl, I'm struggling just like you. No. Not just like me, you ain't. You struggling. And and, and and the poorest of white people may be struggling just like me. But that's that's a part of that's a part of the race. Well us, like we're all And there's always some age. uncle. There's some uncle that, that she's not talking about. Yeah, they don't want to tell you about. <laughs> They don't want to tell you about it. There's always some uncle, some person, some family member, something that's got something. I don't really want to talk about it because it's not your business, <laughs> basically. That's not your business to be understanding about my uncle. This is this. I was able to graduate from four years of private university with only 30K in debt because my grandparents and parents had been investing money in a college account since I was born. I've never had to buy a car because the ex- expectation is that my parents will give me their old one toward the end of its life. My grandfather owns lots of rental property in North Carolina, and his accumulated wealth <laughs> will be passed down to my siblings, me and my siblings. That gotta be nice, boy. That's gotta be nice, boy. That's gotta be nice. Let me just tell you. Let me just say something first. First of all, I want to say investing takes money. <laughs> That's the first thing I want to say. That's the first thing I want to say. Investing takes money. Anybody who wants to tell you about investing, but not telling you, but doesn't tell you about scale and investing in scale is a con artist. Because the whole point of being able to maneuver is not that you can go and buy 10, sh- scales of, 10 shares of stock. You're supposed to be able to buy a hundred and leverage off that and leverage off that a thousand and leverage off that. That's what it is scale. And you're supposed to be okay with losing. You can only be okay with losing if you have money. That's the only way that works. It's the only way that works. That's the only way investing works. It doesn't work as like, man, I got, I'm, I'm working like I get $12 an hour and I got an extra $500. I want to, no, you're not going to get nowhere off of three stock. I know who told you that, but it's stupid. Now, I want to go into, I want to, because that person says something about property and owning property, I want to go into property for a little bit and I want to talk about property for a little bit. Listen. Some of you watching the show haven't watched me before, and so you don't know nothing. I'm just going to say it like that. You don't know nothing. You're just going to be talking to me in the comments, and I'm going to end up deleting it or blocking you. So I just want to tell you that before you say something. You don't always got to talk. Sometimes you got to know you don't know enough to talk. So some of y'all will say, well, black should buy property. Well, let me just let me just tell you a story. Put that up. I mean, if you, Yeah, you got it up. From the nation. This was, if you this was if you subscribe to the newsletter, you already have this article. You already read it because I included it in the newsletter a while back. That's why you gotta subscribe to the newsletter. Okay, it says African Americans have lost untold acres of land over the last century. What does that mean? Okay, let me tell you something. The American government, white people, capitalists in this country are like a storm creator. And they keep creating all these storms that just steal from black people. <laughs> and every time we get out of the hurricane, like, Ooh, they create another one. And so this is just another one that they created to steal property from us. It's not just about the white mobs that came and took it and said, well, what you going to do? This is another technique they use to strip us of what we have. And when you ask we don't have nothing, it's because they kind of stole it. So, 900, okay, blacks owned, I want you to please pay close attention to this number I'm going to give you. Please 
pay close attention. Blacks own 15 million acres after the Civil War. 15 million acres. There were 925,000 black-owned farms. We're, we own 14% of all farms in the U.S. We, African-Americans, descendants of slaves, own 14, we're 13% then, but 14% now of the population. But we own 14% of the farms. That's what we were. Now, we only own less than 1% of the rural land in this country. And it says by 1975, only 45,000 black farms existed. And the article, if you read this, is like they went into a black hole. Now they went into white wealth. Whenever you see black people lose something, it's because white people gained something. White people stole something. That's what it means. And so listen, it's not just white mobs. There's something in that article that, read that article. You see the title right there. Read it if you haven't already. There's something called heirs property. What is heirs property, Vet? Well, 81% of the people who had land back then didn't make wills. They didn't make wills. Why? People are going to be like, oh, people haven't read me before. You're going to get blocked. Or like, well, we, we just should have made wills. We come from slaves. That's why we didn't do that. We did good to get land. We come from slaves. We didn't make wills. So the property goes to a bunch of different descendants. Right? Uh, and it becomes what's called heirs' property. Especially, this is something that's true, especially in the South. 81%, like I said, 81% of black landowners didn't make wills. Man. Now, most of the heirs, who people who had heirs' property, that was, we'll get to that in a minute, Aaron, but we'll, 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 most heirs will say, or sharecroppers, descendants of sharecroppers and slaves. Now, heirs' property still exists today. If you don't believe me, H-E-I-R-S, heirs' property. Go look it up. That's a, that's a consequence of having come from slaves and sharecroppers. But let me tell you what these people have done. They're so slick. They've made it to where if you have heirs' property, you can't, you can't get any Department of Agriculture loans, which is what a lot of these small farmers exist right. on. You can't get none of that. You can't get no FEMA if something happens to your land. You can't do that. You can't even get a mortgage. You can't fix up your house. It's just evil. You can't fix up your house because it's heirs' property, right? I mean, you can't, can't get insurance. Can't get insurance. You can't do repairs on your house, which means a lot of these black people, African Americans who are living in heirs' property, are living in mobile homes because that's all they can do and still maintain the property. This is why y'all are going around talking about Russia and Beyonce. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's what you're talking about. With everything that's happening to black people right now, you should be ashamed of yourself. Okay? Can't get mortgages. Can't get repairs. Live in mobile homes. Can't get FEMA if something goes wrong. And let me tell you something else they do. Because there are a lot of heirs, they do something called land partition. So say if you got a family member who lives far away. They're not even part of the land. They don't know nothing. They will the, the these 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 dastardly and nefarious capitalists who want to take the land will find the property, will find a family member that don't even live around and say, Hey, you need to come and get this property. I'll give you this much for it. So you can partition it and take it away from the your family who lives there. They may not even be direct descendants of people who own the land, but because it's heirs' property, they can come in and take it. And take the check from the white man and take all the property from the people who live on the property. 
That's how it works. It's all these plans. And it, what it has done is it's deemed thousands of acres of land useless. Because being heirs property, they've designated it to where they can't do anything with it. This is how Hilton Head got built up. Built up. Because that's how you got the Gullah people out of there. It's heirs property. I don't know what you want to do. Turning family against family. Because of money. Because of capital. But y'all keep telling me about how much y'all love it, though. I, and I think it's going to happen again when the boomers start dying and the kids can't get the mo- money together to keep up the mortgage. Oh, yeah. Up, yeah. A, why do you say I got a mortgage as a boomer? I'm just asking. I'm the, just rever- asking. the reverse mortgages. Oh, okay. You know, boomers, like, you know, they want to live till the end. They want to take that last cruise. <laughs> you ain't got no business on no cruise. That's the thing. Like, what's wrong with boomers? They always want to be on cruise at the Essence Festival. Buy a motorcycle. Get somewhere and sit down and leave your kids something. <laughs> At a certain point, at a certain point, you got to understand that you're, you're beginning to sunset. Sunset means leaving your kids something, not acting like you're going to be around forever. Not acting like you still got to have a chance to party. If you ain't party at 25, I can't help you. You can't party. It's just what it is. And I can do about it, and then you can do about it. Okay? And so, let me just tell you something. There's a great article in the newsletter. I didn't include it here. There's a great article in the newsletter, though. Um, about they're also stealing land from black people in Detroit through property tax, inflated property tax. Everybody knows Detroit ain't really, come on, it's basically collapsed. But this inflated and illegal property tax is a way for them, for capital to snatch back that land and snatch back that property. And so that's what they're doing in Detroit. And we aren't talking about it because we're listening to people like Joy Reid go on about Russia and not understanding that Joy Reid is a tool of white supremacy. And there's nothing, there's no reason for us to ever listen to her ever in life. There's no reason. She has no particular expertise. She's not smart. She's just a tool of white supremacy. And that's what she's doing. She's not there for me. She's not there for you. She's just there to tell you about Kushner and Trump and how they're awful. She's not talking about this, and she's not going to talk about this. Okay? Now, put up clip, put up, put up the clip number 10, Army, for me. Let's go to the next clip, because I want to roll through these clips. I want to I get it in. I want to get all this in so we can roll through all these clips. And I want you to see, make it a little bit bigger, because so I, I, I want to read it to the people. Because this one, I think, is... Is, is, is sort of important in terms of what I'm trying to drive home. <laughs> yeah, I, I have uh, some ideas about this one. Yeah, we're going to go to it. We're going to go to it. Go ahead. Go, okay. Let me, let me, let me wait to pop some on my screen. It, ah, Joy Reid. She's a, she's a, oh, she's a, she's garbage. I, I, I don't mean it. I don't like to talk about people like that, but good God Almighty. No, she's got um, a job to do. She, and she knows what her job is. That's the reason she's the only one left standing in Mississippi. Yeah. Um, it says, my grandfather was a farmer. He worked hard for, he worked hard for everything that he had. But of course, he also benefited from being white. His grandparents were among the earliest settlers of Oregon during a period when there were black exclusion laws. His family's ability to homestead in Oregon and to earn money from the from farming allowed my grandfather to grow up with the skills to homestead in Canada and to farm in Washington, Washington State. When he died, my father received an inheritance from a land sale and my father invested it in such a way that my college room and board expenses were paid through the interest on the investment. The interest. Okay. She ain't talked about the investment yet. Oh, she or he. 
I'm a, I, it wasn't a huge investment, but interest rates were really high. I'm aware that my ancestors would have faced many obstacles, no matter how hard they were willing to work if they'd been black. I'm also aware that the land they farmed was originally the territory of Native Americans that were persecuted, killed, and forcibly relocated to reservations. I am aware that I have benefited from the privileges given to white people. You better, you better talk about the privileges given to white people, goddammit. You better talk about the privileges given to white people. This is what it is. And let me tell you something, people. I, I want to I wanna just really have an honest conversation with you. You know, I hear a lot of people say, well, I worked hard for my money. I she says, her, she says, my grandfather worked hard. You can work hard and still benefit from white privilege. Don't tell me that you worked hard and that's all it was. No, you worked hard and. It's Gun- not an if, it's yeah. an and. Go yeah. ahead, Aaron. And look, uh, that land in Oregon was homestead land. So, like... Part of getting that land was just being agreeing white? to work, being white and agreeing to work hard and kill a few Indians. Um, <laughs> kill a few Indians? Few, well, here's the deal. Oregon <laughs> is a state that people don't know. Black people were not allowed to buy property until 1926. Mm. 1926. And, they, and then they did something with interracial marriages. So that wasn't allowed to like the early 60s. So pretty much there is no old black money in, in the entire 1926. State. 1926. That's like, that's not that long ago. And all the land by the time we even got in was already bought up because 1926 is not that long ago. Yeah, it's like, this, come on, man. <laughs> That's like two, three, two. So, um, so all the land. So I think actually the state of Oregon should just be like this. Should be just like a tax that goes straight to like Spelman. Yeah, just straight to straight like, to the center of slides. Come straight, on, man. Like, you like a big sucking sound. You can't own nothing here. Ten percent of like. Oregon's GDP should just go to like black people in South Carolina, like because yeah. like they're like you can't you, we you were locked out of that whole state, and like Oregon's got like it's decent weather it's got like a, a huge timber industry locked black people out they didn't get the land they didn't get the trees on that land they didn't get none of it, so and that was by state policy, and that was until 1926 because they didn't want to be a slave state. Um, so they're like, we don't want to be a slave state because that's gross, but we don't want Negroes either. So how are we going to do this? <laughs> <laughs> so they did it by just not allowing black people to buy land until 1926. Yeah, so, and somebody asked, I'm, I'm reading text here. Yeah. Is that somebody asked, you know, if, if only one-fourth of whites have a black friend, how many of that one-fourth do business with black people? <laughs> there are There's 190 whites, 140 million no white friend. How many of those people are doing business with black people? Like, how many? Even those who have a black friend, you're just there as an ornament. You're not there as a friend. You're not there as an actual friend. That's not who you are. You think that's who you are. You think that you're friends until it's time to make deals and do money and you realize you're not a friend. You're just a way for them to say that they're not prejudiced. I'm sorry you don't understand that, but it is what it is. Put up clip 11, Iron. Let's talk about it. Let's keep it moving. Let's talk about this. This is the best thing I ever seen. White honest people getting honest. I yeah, need some, no, I need what, black people to get honest too. Y'all get on. Y'all talk about y'all got a business. Y'all got more time. <laughs> I need black and white people to start getting honest. Now this you, is what an allyship looks like. This is where we start. Yeah, look, honesty is where we start. The, I like one more thing about the Oregon thing. The thing is I lived for a few months in Oregon. 
You talk to regular white people about it, they have no idea. No they history. Have but no what did you tell idea. me? What did you tell me about schools? Well, the schools that you got to change this in the curriculum because you talk to a regular white person in Oregon about why there aren't any black people, and they'll say, "Well, I guess they just never came over here. They didn't like the weather." No. <laughs> no, you y'all is fucked up. <laughs> no, you did not allow black people to buy property until yeah, like ten I'm minutes ago. Buy property, I'm gonna rent from you, you until ten minutes, and then you have to no, like, and so like we gotta change the curriculum because if we don't change the public school curriculum, if we don't make that intervention, then you got just incompetent people trying to decide what our reparations look like. You just don't know enough to be in that conversation. Yeah, you don't know enough to be in a room. You don't know enough to you be a citizen. And like so, like that's what, that's that's our problem now. Black people and white people don't know enough to be a citizen about this issue. Yeah, and because our our, our curriculum has been taken over by white supremacists who talk yeah. about slavery wasn't so bad. Yeah, and yeah. and there's no there's no way for like there has to be some type of reeducation of white people for us to have a shot because that's why they're voting against stuff that benefits us because they have bought into everything that Fox News and Rush Limbaugh and everybody else is saying exactly. they have bought into this and that's a problem and you know who knows this the right yeah the right knows this the left they know talking, about reeducation they know that they know the power that it has yeah because the yeah. left talks about charter schools versus public school and that's an important debate you know what the right does they're trying to get creation into your textbooks. Like the right doesn't mess around. They're trying to. They're changing your textbooks to get their agenda passed because they know that's how you win. So we need to get our stuff into the textbooks. We need to have curriculum wars. You're going to learn Black history, and you're going to have a vet teach it. Yeah, is that, is that clip ten? Uh, the one. The story of my like, ancestors like- coming to the U.S. is not one marked by trauma, but one marked. Fun. Oh, okay, okay. I, okay, I, I, see I can two do on ten. It, though. I see two on it. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the the thing is, I don't know, I I I I don't know. Uh, no, that's we are addicted. No, yeah, 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 we get ten. Clip, clip eleven. Oh. Yeah, clip eleven. Let me get clip um, eleven. You you got You got to see this. Like you got to see it. Like because you we don't know because we don't realize. We think we know, but we don't have white friends, so we don't know. How do you talk about white people definitively? And you don't understand that you don't know because we don't have white friends. This is the one thing about integration. People understand. I think white people know, and I think some black people know. You have white friends, I'm. I got a lot of white friends. If you but do friend, friend, like motherfucker. Like, like, well, you know, what, like I, I, my wife's white, so like yeah, yeah. but I mean that's not a friend. That's your wife. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it got real because she didn't realize that when she married me, she would become black. <laughs> like people don't treat me as nice. I don't like this. <laughs> people don't treat me as well as. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, ain't it? <laughs> yeah, so we got. I was like, well, yeah, you, you're black now. And, yeah, you, you messed uh, up because I'm not no, going white. Like, you're black now, and that's just how it's going to be. Um, but like white friends, like, like I, actually, I, I can say I don't have any white friends. I well, I do know. I know a lot of my black friends who thought they had white friends, and then they got their feelings hurt when like those white friends didn't hook them up. Because don't expect the hookup. Black people, black people, this is, tell your 16-year-old kid, tell your 20-year-old kid, tell your 25-year-old kid, tell your 35-year-old kid, you're not going to get, don't expect the hookup. Expect not to get the hookup. That means if your white friend actually hooks you up, think of it as like a bonus. Oh, shit. Expect not I to get the had, hookup. I've never gotten hooked up by a white person. Well, you're not. That's, I've gone out to happy hour with them, but that's about it. Yeah, you're not going to get <laughs> the hookup. That's fine. You can be friends, but don't expect the hookup. But listen to this. This is, this is clip number 11. My dad was a private school teacher in Greenwich, Connecticut, 
We lived in faculty housing and attended school to and school to and attended the the school tuition free. Okay, you know they had access to social capital. So even though they didn't have money, this person says I didn't have the money, but we had social capital because we lived around wealthy people. You don't have that. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to know you to know that you don't have that. But this is let me tell you this clip coming up, clip number twelve. I mean, this is my. This is my favorite clip. I might let it go after this clip. If you grow up in Greenwich, Connecticut with all that hedge fund money, like you got to be a real school. And you white. Because the thing is, when you white, when you walk into a room, nobody knows whether you got money or not. <laughs> nobody knows. They got to they gotta get to know you to find out. When you walk in as a black person, it's an assumption. You ain't got no money. Like, aren't like, don't. Aren't like $70,000 a year just jobs just like being thrown away out there? Just like, if you're a big screw up and you're someone's nephew, can't you just walk into like a... Like in Greenwich, I mean, Connecticut? The, yeah, Connecticut. Greenwich, Greenwich? Connecticut. That's yeah, where all the hedge funds are. And that's, I'm, I'm, oh, man. I mean, this is the best one. Put that one up big. I put it up big. Because <laughs> I'm going to read this because I want, I want everybody to understand this. I think this is the one I'm talking about. Come to, all right. Let me, let me read this. I, when this one comes up, I want to read it because this is important. This is, this is like really important. This is like a huge, huge deal. And this is goes to everybody who says, well, white people are poor too. No, not all white people, just some. But a minor, like a sliver of the poorest, the poorest of white people who you can trust. But let me read this. It says, thank you for this important conversation on transgenerational assets. Even though I have never made more than $25,000 a year before taxes, my inheritance Inherited and married into wealth allows me to live more comfortably than others at my income level do. I have yet to purchase my own vehicle. I've had two cars bought handed down to me by my parents. I have never been homeless, though my husband almost was before we met. He has rich parents, but they cut him off. Black sheep, army. Yeah. Due to drug problem that he has since fixed through rehab and privilege. See, so here's the thing a- is about you, black people. When you lose y'all money, you fucked up. You <laughs> did something wrong. You got addicted to something, and then the white people cut you off. That's not the same as never having nothing. <laughs> so this guy's a degenerate. He had a drug problem. This guy's a degenerate. He's a, yeah. yeah, he's a he's a he's a drug problem. We go to jail for drug problem. He just gets cut off. So for a little while, for a little while, until he cleans. For a little up. while, clean your shit up. And listen to this. I have never struggled to eat, though I was on food stamps for one year. More than half of my college expenses were paid for by my father, who attended Harvard, bitch, Harvard. I'm also still on his phone plan, and he occasionally helps me out with my repair expenses. I live in a condo that was bought by my mother-in-law for my husband for 27k in cash. Because the you pr- saw 27K in cash. I never seen it. <laughs> because the prices of these units, goddammit, because the prices of these units plummeted in the housing recession despite being built brand new in 2006. She is in a divorce. Well, she, is a, she is a divorce lawyer. She's an attorney who went to college and does very well for herself. And we have to pay on the condo. All we have to pay on the condo are housing association fees. And property taxes. God damn, that must be nice. I want, listen, there's so much to break down in that article. I mean, in that comment. First of all, this this is the kind of white person. She made, She said she never made more than 25000 This is the white person that you run into and you work with them. And they say, girl, I'm just like you. I ain't never made more than 25000 either. But she don't tell you the rest of the story. The rest of the story is her father went to Harvard. 
And she had somebody pay her condo. And her father put her on a, a cell phone plan and put on another plan. And she has a husband who would have been rich had he not got addicted to some shit. Okay? Like, nobody ever tells the whole story about white wealth. And so we look, we sitting here feeling bad about ourselves when we ain't got no reason to because they won't tell the truth. This is the most truthful admission I have seen in a very long time. It is truthful. So let's be honest. There's money coming down from both sides of that family. You can family. bring it down now. Well, yeah. yeah, there's money coming down from both sides, both of, that sides of the family. Because now he's cleaned up, right? So now he's cleaned up. The husband. So, like, like he's still he's back in the wheel. Yeah, he's back in the wheel now. So, like, that was a hiccup. They ain't poor like you. You can be poor. You can make 25000 but that don't mean you poor like us. It don't mean that. Don't you believe it means that? That's, you get caught up in a trick. <laughs> it don't mean that. So, even when you go to the, you know, oh, man. <laughs> this is, this is, this is just something for me. Like, like, y'all may so, like, black people can do everything right and still fail. Y'all can make so many mistakes. It pretty much takes a drug problem. I've been enough, I've been around enough white people, and I've seen enough white families and middle class and the class structure. Pretty much takes a drug problem. Pretty just much be like, oh, you can't get nothing. You're going to spend yeah, it all pretty on much the cocaine. Takes a dr- like, I'm not going to let you do it with the cocaine. Just Pretty much takes it. If you could say, if you're white and, like, come from a decent, like, if you're white and in the, like, top, like, or eighty percent, like 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 uh, uh, anything above anything above the bottom fifteen percent, like to stay off drugs and like. And you get your inheritance. Well, you'll just get a hookup. You'll get enough hookups. Drugs no, can really here. do it, but like, then get clean. <laughs> but like, pretty much just stay off drugs, and you, you end up fine. Now, here is here is. I'm not going to even go through the rest of them because we weren't behind. Um, it was more GI Bill. What's a lot. That's a lot of government. And it was more land ownership. Can you find that? Can you find that one, Army, about the trauma? <laughs> about, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, a, it's, a, it's an addiction. It's about addiction. And I want to say this because, not that one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's from a, it's a clip. It's actually a clip and uh, uh, about addiction um, as a response to something. Oh, yeah. um, and I want to put that up. And I want to talk to it because we talk a lot about, there was a there was one earlier about a, a, a earlier clip about a woman saying um or somebody saying I don't I can't remember what about their parent not going to jail because they were white and they were an addict and we just talked about an addict so you know addiction Gabo Mate Mate if you haven't looked him up as an addiction specialist please do that because what he says addiction is a response to a childhood suffering that's what he says and who do you think suffers more doing childhood than African-American kids. Think about Chicago. Think about Wisconsin. Think about, you know, in terms of Milwaukee and the rest of the state. Think about Swats, Atlanta. Think about all and Think about who you think suffers most. But there was something else that he said, you know, that made me, that made me kind of take note. Because he said it wasn't only, and I'm trying to find it now, it wasn't only about addiction. It was about positive thinking. See, we got this thing going around the black community. I'm just going to touch on it. That, that positive thinking will get you where you need to go. All you got to do is think positive and you'll be all right. All you got to do is change the way you think. Um, the secret and all that stuff and you'll be all right. And, you know, Gabor Mate doesn't say that. He says, 
He says, not having negative thoughts is not allowing reality to intrude on your perception of the world. You never see things how they are. You have to always maintain a sunny, falsely rosy view of the world so that you can't see what doesn't work. Lots of studies show that people who are sunny and positive die quicker of their diseases. If you're a woman with breast cancer and you're, pos- and you're a positive thinker, you're guaranteed to die much quicker. Listen, he's talking about, and I've mentioned this on this show before. He's talking about positive thinking. He's talking about what it means to be a positive thinker. And what it means to be a positive thinker is that you die quicker. I mean, I, I talked before about this on a previous show. But we have to get out of this thing. We're hurting ourselves. Like you see me here and you have a conversation with me here and you think that Yvette is being negative. And Yvette is not being negative. I'm being a realist. I'm handing you real information. Whether or not you are emotionally adult enough to handle that, chin up, chest out, and deal with it is on you. But trying to spin this in a positive manner it's just creating an illusion for yourself that is not healthy. Not healthy for you, your kids. It's not healthy for your you, friends. your kids, your family, anybody. It's an illusion. It captures you in a sort of dream world. And, and, and that's just what it is. And I want you to think about that when you start thinking about the secret and all this bull that they've told us to believe in. Because it's not true. And this, he says, when I talk about negative thinking, you must understand that I'm being tongue-in-cheek. I don't want people to think negatively, but what? But I put that idea out there as a way of countering this relentless, cheerful positivity that's often given as the answer to the world's problems. To my mind, we don't need positive thinking or negative thinking. We need thinking. Thinking means you don't load your point of view with either priori negative or positive vibes. Rather, you are simply willing to look at what is. The positive thinkers are in full denial of reality. And these people who are telling you that your life can change if you just file LLC paperwork are in denial. Leave them alone. They are a part of the problem. You cannot deal with them. You cannot talk to them. You cannot. They are caught up in their own hallucination. You know, talk about baby buns. We want to talk about sending dairy. Talk about baby buns. You get solutions. Once you understand the problem, this if generational wealth is the problem. People say you never talk about solutions. Baby buns is what Sandy Darity brought up in terms of how poor you are. You get baby buns, and you can use those baby buns as you grew up. They started like twenty thousand or something to purchase towards an asset. Those are solutions. Going filing LLC paperwork is not one of the solutions. You got to understand that. You know, I had some more that I was going to say about Issa Rae tonight, but I think I'm going to save it. I got to say it, but I'm going to save it. I got to say it, but I'm running behind. I'm going to save it. And um, we're going to say it next time. <laughs> so when I come back on Monday, I think I'm going to research even more and tell you about how weird and dishonest. And I got a lot to say. The media game is the game. Is like that's yeah, and you got y'all got these people who don't even know how to be black, and they never talking <laughs> African American talking about African Americanness. That's another reason to be ashamed. But I and I have a great. I'm not gonna tell the story of that, but I want to tell y'all when you all come back. Army's in Wednesday at the Funky Academy. When you all come back Monday, 
I got a great story to tell. <laughs> I got a great story to tell about something that happened to me. And I just, I want everybody to hear it. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to tell it today. I know Ice is back and that's, that stuff she put on the other day was bull. I'm not going to tell you today why I was bull, but I'm going to tell you. Just wait. It's going to be a good show. It was some garbage. <laughs> in so many ways. So those of you who haven't seen it, steal somebody's HBO Go password like I did. <laughs> Don't pay for it. Just be like, can I borrow your password for a little while? You can change it. I just want to watch this episode of Insecure. Just do that and watch it. And then when I come back Monday, we're going to deal with it in the way it needs to be dealt with. I'm going to handle this. Yeah, I'm going to handle it. And I'm going to tell you why she's full of muff, she's full of bug. I'm going to tell you. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're going to break this down. You got to wait a week because I'm not going to be here. <laughs> You know, I told you I won't be here on Wednesday. I'm going to be here on Wednesday. So you're going to have to wait and I'm going to get it. But I'm, I promise it's going to be worth it. I promise you. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be It's gonna be good TV. You on? Hello? 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 Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear it? Yeah. yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was getting feedback. I didn't know I was on live. Okay. Yeah, my name is uh, J5. I'm from Alabama. Uh, <laughs> yes, I have is. a few questions. Uh, one is a request. Um, I try to spread your message, you and I have a message on Facebook. Mm. And a lot of people who are not familiar with the content of, you know, of your message, uh, the content of your message. They probably wouldn't devote two hours to a whole video. And you have power, very powerful clips in all of your videos. And I'm just making a request. Could you please, um, if you could, could you put some of your videos in Facebook format on your Facebook public, on your Facebook page so I can put it on my timeline and it will automatically play and some of my friends who are not familiar with you watch the video. Okay. Okay, and uh, Thank you. my second thing, <laughs> I would like to say, um, I only had one, it was a while back, but I only had a great idea. I don't know if y'all want to roll with that idea. I don't know what the, all the way thought through or what, but he, I don't know, I don't want to put words out of my mouth, but it kind of sounds like he was saying, since African Americans, was the main scapegoat in the war on drugs. Partial reparations or restitution could be that only African Americans should only be allowed to participate in profiting or recreation of sales of marijuana. I think the same thing should be done with cotton, sugar cane, and, you know, etc. Yeah. Love you, my line. Thank you. Thank okay, you. thank you, Carl. Did you say that, Iron Man? Did you say that? I do have good ideas from time to time. That is right. <laughs> I do think we should get preferential. Preferential. Like, if, they, if you can show that African-Americans were disproportionately punished for weed over the last, say, 30 years, then, yeah, we should get 30 years of preferential. Um, oh, that's a good idea. But right now, it's actually more insidious than that. They have so many licensing requirements on the dispensaries. You need to have, like, a, like in some states, you need to have, I've heard, 500k in the bank before they'll let you open up a dispensary. So that means not only will we disproportionately imprisoned. Locked out. Like I said, locked out. We're going to be disproportionately locked out of the industry. Like now that it's legal. But yeah, we should get get that waived. We should (laughs) should get get that waived. I should be able to go to the SBA 
and say, I don't should, Black people should get up, get up, go to SBA and get those prescriptions. Like, shit. <laughs> so, so don't, 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 small business, too, don't so, do too much of nothing because you're going to just get lazy. I don't think people understand that. That's how we got mumble rap. But ooh. go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I got my man on my Hold on. Uh-oh. Hello? Hi. Yes. All right. Who that? Hey, I'm on. Okay, great. Uh, as usual, you guys are doing a great job. Um, there was one thing, I, I won't hold you long, but there was one thing you guys, I'm not sure if you touched on, I was listening back and forth, kind of doing a few things at one time, but uh, one of the things you talked about was about how, you know, the land and everything was stripped from black people. Mm-hmm. One of those, one of the vehicles used by white supremacy to steal uh, or take land from black people, of course, is eminent domain. Mm. Um, and one of those examples, I can't remember what I was looking for, uh, the Pines development. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Okay. Um, but it was, I can't remember if it was North Carolina or Virginia or wherever, but uh, I've actually tried to reach out to the family on this. But it was a case where black people owned, I believe, almost 800 acres. Okay. Um, it was several families, and the land was actually taken from them by eminent domain under the guise that the county was going to build uh, a new school. Okay. Well, the school never got built, mm. but the county kept the land. Mm. Um, there are numerous Ooh. examples uh, of that uh, throughout American history, uh, uh, these legal vehicles uh, that have been used uh, to take land. Um, the interesting thing is now all of this has been done at the hands of white hands. Some of it, some of it has been done at the hands of black people. Atlanta is a classic example. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was growing up there, Grant Park, Inman Park, Reynoldstown, uh, all that property uh, black people lived in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the property over by the zoo, I think you guys are in Atlanta. Well, during the 80s and 90s, we weren't able to pass uh, that land from generation to generation. We had, of course, mass incarceration. We had drug addiction, all this stuff. And so a lot of those properties over there became decrepit. Well, under the black mayoral leadership there, mm-hmm. uh, the property yep. was condemned under eminent domain, and it was sold. You could actually buy a house in Grant Park uh, during the 80s, early 90s for 50 bucks, uh, But it was condemned, but the catch was you had to live on it. And so a lot of white people moved in, got home loans, and fix that property up, and now those are you know million dollar communities. Now all that was done under black leadership. Yeah. Um, the the final thing I just wanted to say, um, the final thing I wanted to say is these positive thinking peddlers. Um, these people are charlatans selling fool's gold. A lot of them are in the pulpits, and just for everyone listening, FYI, beware. Listen very carefully to people when they're giving you advice. Beware of people who speak more about what individuals should be doing Mm. versus what systems uh, that oppress people should be doing. Uh, Anytime I hear, you know, people uh, telling, you know, if you just do this or if you just do that, if you save your money, if you invest this, if you don't buy those Nikes, if you don't buy that iPod, if you don't, you know, by uh, material, everything will be all right. Well, that's very easy 
um, to do. And I say all the time, black people are easy targets. It's very easy to tell us what we should be doing, but it's much harder to talk about the systems of oppression that put black people in the situation to desire the things they want, uh, uh, to go after the things they want, to believe that salvation uh, can actually occur from them uh, through some great governing job or things like that. So I just wanted to put that out there. Just beware people who speak more about individuals than they do about the systems that oppress those individuals. And if I were you, I would regard them as charlatans and mm, peddlers I of do. fool's gold. I and do. I think the black community needs to be rid, rid themselves of these type of people uh, ASAP. That's all. Thank you, Carla. I always appreciate you. I, I, I wanna, and I want to make one distinction. He talked about the basically, the, basically kind of the black bourgeoisie in Atlanta. Um, and, and what I want to say, though, I want to make one distinction. These people have been complicit in white supremacy. They are not responsible for white supremacy. There's a difference. They have been complicit for their own means right. and for what they, they're not responsible. They are complicit, though, in our oppression. There's a difference. I know there are a lot of black people who go around and say these people are just responsible. No, they're complicit. Right. It means they're traitors and it means we got to get rid of them. But it's two different things. So let's just be careful. Now, what do you call them? What do you call them? Peddlers? Yeah. Pos- pos- uh, uh, positive thinking peddlers? Ain't no, there's, there's no better way to describe it than positive thinking peddlers. Oprah. Somebody I used to work with. There's a lot of people in positive thinking peddlers. If you just if you just start doing this stuff as an individual, it's going to amount without thinking about what you have to do systemically. There's nothing we have ever done in this country as African Americans that has not come from us as a group coming together and doing stuff. It just yes. hasn't happened. Right. And I think it's important to know that the the peddlers in that class, they're only they don't have real money. Like they don't have generational wealth. No. Or it's run, it's no, that's why they're doing it. That's why they do. Like these are these are people who are one generation away from being poor black people like everybody else. Yeah. And that's important to remember. So like you can have some sympathy for them, or a little bit more sympathy for them. You still got to get rid of them, but you, know, <laughs> you still got to get rid of them. Still got to get rid of them, but um, you know when Melissa Harris Perry lost her job, she lost her job, and she probably lost the main income for her whole like whatever. Yes, and she admitted that. She admitted that's what happened. Yeah, she admitted that she lost. Every, she lost. She was taking care of people in her family. Yeah, Elijah that's Wood. Life. Elijah Wood can't take care of his. daughter. I, I can't say. But can I say? Is that too rude to say that Elijah Cummings can't take care of his daughter? If she's driving for. Um, if she's driving for Lyft. You can't. You obviously can't. You don't have the connection. That's social capital. You a congressman <laughs> and you don't have social capital enough to be like here. Give my daughter a job. You're I don't college want graduate. She, she graduated from Howard University and she's driving Lyft. You don't have the social capital to be like, hey. Hook my, I'm, a, I'm on this committee. I'm doing this. Hook my daughter up. You don't have that. And you a congressman. What does that say about the rest of us? Right. So they'll sell us out, but they're also broke. Yep. So ah. and That's part of why they sell us out. Because <laughs> yeah. they broke. Because they broke. They don't have it. Let's go to the next call. Boy, I tell you. <laughs> Somebody said, not rude if true, Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, wh- hey, what's up? What's up, Ivan? What's up, Antonio? You know, I'm going to have to run through some points today on this one. You know, I ain't going to let you run from Mr. Obama. We're going to end with him, but I'm going I'm to make a couple of uh, points here. You know, I, I want everybody to know that uh, Yvette's mama is black and she can fry some fish. Because I had to be more than a couple pieces while I was down there. <laughs> but I, I just, I, you know, what, what I wanted to say is, ain't it interesting that that, that uh, Guyanese girl got a job as, a, as an executive at Uber 
but Elijah Cummings' daughter is driving the, the mid car. Mm-hmm. Ain't that something about black life? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a trick to me because what I see is even in the telling of this post, we really don't grasp how atrocious, how bad, like, race is in this country and how race started in this country. And I think that what's starting to happen is we're trying to recreate it in the something we can understand, like when we say God and, and making it to a man, because then physically we can understand. That's what we're trying to do with race. And it's so much more insidious. You know, and, and I, I think that when I look at slavery by another name, the documentary PBS did, I recommend everybody go watch that documentary. There's a story about the Comers. And I don't know if you recall this story about the Comers, but they had been told that their grandfather was a hardworking man his, their whole life. Uh-huh. They had been told that he was a hardworking man, but what came out was that actually he had killed a bunch of black people on his land. Mm, yeah, and he was one of the first, only people prosecuted for the lynching of black men for like a hundred years or something of the sort. So we get this narrative about being hardworking, right? But when you cut it open, somebody else was doing that hard work. Yep. And I think that it's a trip because in so many instances, when I look back, let's just, just point out two pieces of data. The first thing I'll say to you is if three quarters of, okay, if white people got 90% of the, of the personal wealth, $94 trillion, they got 90%. And if three quarters of them ain't even talking to black people, and of the quarter, you probably ain't doing business with nearly none of them, how are we supposed to ever compete? And somebody would say, we supposed to just make some money. But then tell their kids that money don't grow on trees. Nope. It don't make no sense. No. The other thing I was going to say to you is, the other thing I was going to say to you is something that Shapiro pointed out in the interview that I had seen, where he pointed that a quarter, a quarter of all white homeownership can be traced back to that homestead act. Mm. Today. Think about what we're saying here. We're saying that the wealth is tied all together. And it, it's a trip because I think a large trip, this is the last point I'll make, a large part of the reason that we can't see it is because of covers and facades. And no one is better than Barack Obama. Because if Barack Obama had to answer this question, he'd answer it as a white man. His, his white grandma left him a $500,000. There might not be more than 10 to 15% of white people that would receive that kind of inheritance. And there might not be a full percent of black people. Barack Obama would have to answer this question about privilege as a white man. With no no inkling of a cost of slavery in his background, and this is the guy we call our first black president. Ooh. I'll leave it at that. All right, Antonio, thank you for calling in. He said the man we call our first black president would have to answer this question about inheritance as a white man because Barack Obama inherited half a million dollars. And that was pretty much liquid. That was liquid stock. Stocks are liquid. You can just liquidate them, do whatever you... Half a million dollars from his white grandparents. He would have to answer this question, not as you, not as me, but as a white person. And that's the man who we call our first black president. And the question is, really, what does that say about us? And if you haven't watched the video, go to Tone Talks, subscribe to Antonio Moore's channel. If you haven't watched the video that he's talked about, which is slavery by another name, you need, it's on YouTube. It's free. You ain't got to read the book. You can go watch the PBS documentary. It's free on YouTube. Watch the whole thing and you realize that white people, these, these racists, these people who run this country are playing a trick by making, basically saying, well, slavery was over a long time ago. And I want to just harp on one of the other things that Antonio said. 
We just talked about Elijah Cummings' daughter driving for Lyft. She's the daughter of a congressman and she's driving for Lyft. And there's a Ghanaian who just got hired to Uber as brand manager. In contrast and context, those two different people in two different groups and what that means for us as African-Americans, descendants of slaves. A quarter of these white people, you know, their homes and everything are tied to the Homestead Act where they were given free stuff. They were given free stuff, but we don't want to ask the government for nothing. What does that say about us and our political intelligence? Why were we being locked out? Why were we being locked out? Come on, man. That's not like they were, the government was giving everybody homestead. No, they were just giving it to white people. And we yeah. like, well, we don't need nothing. The hell you don't? Look at your life and tell me you don't need anything. Actually, that bit, I, was, I can't remember if it was Hamilton. Was he talking about eminent domain? And then they took these people's land to build a school and then didn't build the school. So now it's a county land. And then I bet you like Wild Yeah, like they said, he said, Hamilton said, he said they basically took the land and said eminent domain and then they never did anything with it, which means they just wanted it. They didn't want to do anything. They just wanted it. Like, let's just tell these Negroes it's eminent domain and take it and just steal it. Listen, America is a storm machine. I'm not saying black, white people don't get caught up in it, but it's a storm machine that's been targeted at black people. And so what we, like every time we survive a storm and we start getting ourselves together, they throw together another storm machine. Sometimes it's tornado, sometimes it's a hurricane, but either way we get messed up. What I'm telling you is that politics is the only way to say, stop the storm machine. We tired of this storm machine. Every time this boom and bust capitalism, every time we get thrown on the bus, fired and all this, stop the storm machine. It's the only way that you stop the machine. Yes, some people will survive the storm. They will come out from up under the wood and the planks and go on to live another day. But we're talking about what's best for the entire community. That is the issue that we're left with. We got to stop the storm machine. That's the issue, and that's the only solution. That's black politics. And if you don't want to do that, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how we're going to survive. Because we're not going to survive in this country, which is toxic to us and has been oppressing us. We're not going to survive it individually. We have to do it collectively. And if you don't see that, then I don't know what to tell you. That's it, the next one, Hello? 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 Hey, how you doing? What's going on with me, I can't hear you good. Can you hear me now? Yeah. I got a question. So, I mean, what do we do? I mean, you know, there's no point in trying, you know, from, from watching your video. It's like, what do we do? Listen. If you watch my videos, you know, you know that I know. I never said there's no point in trying. I said, I don't know. I don't even know how this happens. I, I keep saying the solution is black politics. Good black politics. I even pointed to Jackson, Mississippi. You know, well, Equator Mumba, he passed away. But his son, you know, we'll see what he does about redistributing money to, 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 to black people, black business owners, having us get contracts and organizing for, for, for black people in this country to have what we deserve. That's black politics. I never said don't do anything. I always said we have to organize collectively in a way that's beneficial as opposed to going the individual route, which is built for sharks and sharks are white capitalists. I never said, I've always said that. I've never said there's anything that we can do. I don't know. I don't know why people keep saying it. I mean, because it just seems like I mean, what do we, I, I get what you're saying, but it's like, 
what's the point of saving money? What's the point of investing? What's the point of trying to build black wealth? You know, it's like, it's just depressing sometimes to hear you talk. No, it's the, no, listen, here's the thing. I'm not depressing you. This is just life. Yeah, he has very just, limited this options. Just, yeah, this is this is this is just the data. This yeah. is not me. I'm just putting it in front of you and showing you what it is. You're not being depressed by listening to me. You're being depressed by the data that you're faced with. Don't put it on me. But the second part of it is, I'm not telling you that you don't you can't save. You might be able to pay an extra light bill, and we have a savings rate that's actually better than white people. I'm not telling you that. It still I'm telling build you wealth. in terms of closing the wealth gap and truly being competitive in this country, we need black politics. That's what I'm telling you. There's no way to do this without being organized as black people towards a politics that improves the material condition of our lives. There is no other way to do it. And anybody who tells you that we can do this without black politics is a liar. And I'll call that to their face. Thank you. And about that, he said, like, look, we save, we invest, we try to build black businesses. That's not enough. That's only three tools in the kit, right? So first of all, I got to tell you, this, this, this wealth gap is important because if the wealth disparity gap, the worse it gets, the easier it is for the people on top to weaponize that money to keep you down. Mm-hmm. The, so the, the wealth gap like, is a, like lend, lends itself to a political power gap. And then like there's lead in your water and all these other things. Yeah, and it's like what you said. The gap I, matters. Organized for baby bonds, contracts, set aside for black businesses pipelines for black hiring managers and Amazon, etc., and pay raises for black employees. But these are political solutions. These are political like, solutions. You want individual solutions. That's not I can do for you because that's no. stupid. There are no... Now, you can do stuff individually, but that, like, if you do something individually, there's no guarantee. Politics can <laughs> get us 20% of jobs, like, in, in a Walmart, like, corporate jobs. Politics can get us... Like those defense contracts and need, and in Halliburton, we, and like, and we need unions. Like we, we need, need unions. Like that's that's stuff that we need. Like, and and the thing is, some of y'all just a week. Like some people say, well, event depresses me. You need to suck it up. We come from people who used to be hung from trees and whipped on the back. Suck it up. Stop being a coward and a punk all the time. I'm depressed. What you when you tell me you're depressed by what I say, that lets me know that you're weak. You need to just get your stuff together and, and, and get in the fight. I don't have time to talk to weak people who don't understand that like this this whole position that we're in requires a lot of courage. Cause and now you need to come with it. Because now you're dead weight, honestly. Yeah, you're, now you're dead weight, and I just need to cut you off. Let's see the last caller, Arden. Hey, caller. Hey, Ben, how are you doing? Pretty good. How about you? Not too bad. You actually kind of just uh, answered my question, but I'm still going to ask it. I actually uh, really like when you say that uh, black businesses that pretty much denying to get subsidies and free money from the government is just really stupid, to be honest, because, for one, if you're competitors against subsidies, I mean, obviously, you're coming up short <laughs> that way. And two, why would you want to take, why would you take money uh, free from the government without having to use or without having to incur costs? I just, I just love when you say that because it's common sense. Yep. And the second thing is, um, so one thing that, that we always hit on as in the black community is, you know, white people generally don't put us on. You know, they don't give us jobs or opportunities like that. But one thing that I've come to realize as I got older is that neither do Asian communities, neither do Hispanic communities. You know, it's always generally race by race. And one thing I can't lie that I don't really agree with you on is the idea that we need to um, increase black business. 
And of course, uh, most of these are small businesses, but if you think of it the way that other races do, we need more black businesses to hire more black people. So what what, what are your thoughts on that? And as far as why do you okay. why do you specifically think that, you know, filing an LLC paperwork, as you say, won't help us? Okay, I'll, I'll, Army just signal he wants to say something first. Of all, I, I'll go. I'll go after Army. <laughs> all right. So I, I do agree that like people who black people who think that like we don't need politics. You realize you're setting up a business climate where black businesses will compete with white businesses who get subsidies from government. So not only are they white businesses with like more stability, they're white businesses with subsidies from government. You're telling black people to compete with them. Like that's like that's. That's not going to work, but um, and I, I and you know that and you agreed with that and I, I appreciate that. Now about the the, the businesses, there are some twenty six million um, small businesses, and when I say small businesses, that's businesses under five hundred employees. Um, of those twenty six million, uh, I want to say that twenty four million of them are businesses with no employees. Right. Mm. So yeah, zero. Yeah, so we, don't like, really have, we, we don't really have employees. So like, though, and then of the like, how many? Let's be honest now. How many black businesses have more than five hundred employees? So, like, so yeah, exactly. So, um, <laughs> so <laughs> even he's lying. So pretty much, we're talking about like black businesses without employee, without real employees. I mean, you have to think about it. Breaking Brown is an LLC. It's counted as a as a business. <laughs> it ain't. It ain't. Okay. So what we're trying to do is be honest about black people working jobs. Black people are employees, and that's not a bad way to be in America. A lot of good white families and neighborhoods and whole like live lives as employees. So we need to look where black people work as employees and get those jobs better. That means we need sanitation workers and black teachers that are yeah. the ones that are left anyway. And something you were telling me was like a lot of the reasons so many black people want to be entrepreneurs is because their job sucks. Right. They don't really want to do that, but their job is awful, so I want to mm-hmm. be an entrepreneur. No, make that job better. Right. Get Organize. better wages. Get better benefits. Make that job better. That's what the labor movement is for in this country. Get involved in that. That's what we need to be doing as a collective. And I'm not saying we can't ally with other groups. I'm not saying we can't. We definitely should. But we got to get our jobs better. Yeah, because let's be honest. Like a good white job, that comes with health care. That comes with leave time. That comes with yep. vacation. There's nothing wrong with being a white employee. We just need some of those jobs, not the crappy jobs they segregate the black force work, workforce in. Or we need to take the crappy jobs they segregate the black force work, workforce in. And Antonio said that they're in L.A. that they were... 13 jobs that black people do, pretty much. Yeah, and it's like, not just in L.A. I think that's, that's pretty broad. That's pretty broad. So we need those jobs to get a bump. Like, it's okay to, to be in that job, but they need to be making better wages. I, 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 I think I, I want black people. I know, I know hip-hop did this, and I know there are people who taught this. It's okay to be a worker. It's okay to be like, a worker. Like, there's no shame in being a worker. There's a shame that these companies aren't paying you what you're worth. And aren't paying people a living wage in this country in these rich companies. Like, but there's no shame in being an actual, of uh, being an actual worker. And there's no shame in taking subsidies. These white companies take subsidies all the time. And if we took them, really, you're just giving giving us money back for what you took from our ancestors. There's no shame in that. And I think when you say, well, why, why, what's wrong with LLC paperwork? You ever seen a shark eat a bunch of sardines? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that's, yeah, what, yeah, that's you, what you're going to look like out there You got business cards though 
Yeah, I, and I understand what you're saying. You know, in, in that case, for example, Amazon doesn't even have to aim. They can just, you know, go for any business that they want, and, you know, they can eat them all. But yeah. you just, you know, pretty much cleared it up, pretty much saying that, yes, black uh, black companies that hire black people, that is okay. But I, and, and those black companies that just have zero employees or, you know, only the owner is, is, is an employee, those are the ones that you're really discussing, that you're talking about. Yeah, because yeah. those a lot of those owners, owners, and I say that in quotes. I don't have the camera. A lot of those owners, they really would be better off if they had a good job as an employee working yeah. for somebody else. I never would have wanted to be a business owner. Yeah, I wanted to be a business owner because I was locked into this crappy job. But, but like, if we make life better for employees and be honest about like, yeah. like, like how they're doing good. so many European countries, so yeah. many Europeans that make life decent white, for employees. There are a lot of white employees who never wanted to study business because their job as an employee working for somebody fine. is just and fine. It's still just fine. I got my <laughs> health care. I got my vacation time. Like, we need black people in those jobs. Yeah, that's and true. we need to make those jobs the jobs that black people are. are in. No, I agree. I agree. Thank you, caller. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. I want to thank everybody for calling in tonight. I know I went a little long. Ivy's going to be here on Wednesday. Not here. He'll be at the Funky Academic um, talking politics. So go to the Funky Academic YouTube page on Wednesday. Um, and again, you can go to donatebrown.com and donate. Please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. You know, so that you can so that you can get notified when we have stuff going on. Please, please, please. And if you want to get the newsletter, go to breakingbrown.com to get the newsletter. And you can also make a donation, you know, at breakingbrown.com, whether it's $3 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, or a one-time um, donation. So we here at Breaking Brown would appreciate that. Um, Army got a sound booster. Yeah, um, I did. Thank so you the for the donations. We got a sound booster. So hopefully the calls, calls sounded better tonight. Yeah. And you could hear them better tonight because we invested in something that will make your listening pleasure better. Yeah, I, <laughs> I still got to get my dials right. But like, yeah. He got to get his dial, but he working on it. Takes <laughs> me a while. He got, Come on he now. He got three cheering. <laughs> got three <laughs> he got cheering. working on it. My Take great grandparents were sharecroppers in South Carolina. Yeah, this is what you got to do. So, <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, do I, I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in. And um, like I said, I will see you all probably on Monday. I got a new camera I'm trying to figure out, though, but I ain't figured out. So I don't know if I'm going to do a quickie because I ain't figured out the camera yet. You know, stuff is complicated. But, you know, but thank you for the donations for the camera and for the sound boost and stuff we do. <laughs> okay. So I appreciate everybody. I will see you again on Monday if I don't come through sooner. I'm going to be here on Wednesday. Thank you. <laughs>